Hey, all you construction champions, I'm Ron Nussbaum. I'm the host of the Construction Champion Podcast, and I am super excited to bring you another episode. Today, we have Ruth as a guest. She's a podcast host and an expert when it comes to helping Lowe's in the residential construction industry. I am super excited to have you here today, Ruth. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. I mean, there's the construction industry. I think it's been good to both of us. <laughs> Absolutely. And I know you want to go out there. You want to help those champions and everything. And right now, I just want you to tell everybody a little bit about yourself, what you do, what, what has gotten you to where we're having this conversation today. Well, I started working with contractors in 1987. Yes, 1987. That is a long time ago. And my, my job, my role is to give contractors the tools and processes to get and stay profitable, build wealth, and achieve their goals. Um, one of my favorite stories is a, a contractor that I started working with when they had $750,000 in revenues. We grew them to $10 million and sold the company for $9 million in cash. It took 16 years, but we did it. So it was really cool because there were two partners and each of them got a uh, wire transfer of a little less, you know, a little, about $4 million with all the expenses and everything else that came as a result of it. So that's a cool story. I've done it with other contractors over the years um, and lots of them have sold them for lots and lots and lots of millions um, based on where they wanted to go. But, you know, my seriously, my role is really and truly to help contractors be more profitable, build wealth and achieve the goals they want to achieve. That's awesome. So, I mean, that's why we are at the end of the day, that's why we're in business. Like we didn't get in business to just buy a job. Like we wanted to build that freedom and be able to build that long-term wealth. I think that's what a lot of people draw, what draws a lot of people to construction. And that's amazing that you're a, a gateway to help set that up and get to that end process. I, I absolutely love that. Uh, I'm going to ask you the million dollar question now. So what makes a construction champion right now? And as we head into 2023, my answer is probably going to surprise most people who are listening. The most important thing that contractors do every single day, if they're smart is to maximize their billable hours profitably. And, and here's why. I mean, if we look at our industry, the, the unit of revenue is a billable hour. If we're in like the auto uh, car wash industry, the unit of revenue is a car wash. A membership like a gym, the unit of revenue is a, you know, a member. So the members produce the revenues. In our case, in construction, billable hours produce revenue. If you don't have a billable hour, I mean, we don't sell boxes as a general rule. We're not a distributor. We're not a manufacturer. We're not a supplier. So our unit of revenue is a billable hour. And if we don't maximize those billable hours profitably, a lot of bad things can happen, all right? So um, that's what I look at as you know somebody who's a really good champion that starts it. And then obviously you've got making sure that everybody is, is being as productive as they possibly can, taking care of the customer the best they possibly can, building a culture, which is also really important. But it all starts with billable hours. If you don't have enough billable hours, nothing else matters because you won't be in business for very long. <laughs> so that's fantastic. And since you're you're an expert on how to get there, what what do you what are the 
holdups that you see? Like, what are three things that are holding contractors, builders, everybody in residential construction back from achieving that billable hour? Well, I think most of the number one don't know what it is. So thing number one is to, is to figure out where it is. If your billable hours are like 50%, which is where a lot, a lot of contractors start, whether they're plumbing, electric, HVAC builders, you know, whatever else it is, we have a problem. That means if you pay somebody for 40 hours, you're only being able to bill half of that, 50, 20%, right? 50% or 20 hours a week. That means you're paying them 20 hours a week for the goodness of your heart for all intents and purposes. So that's number one. Number two, once you know the number and you, you know where it is, you track it and you post it. So you know, this big percentage comes up on a wall you know, in the warehouse or you know, someplace where everybody congregates and there's like 52%. And it's you know, a big thing like, what is this? Yeah, and curiosity killed the cat. And you explain what that means. And then you say, okay, we need to figure out how to get it to its where we need to be, i.e. north of 75%. So what are your ideas? And usually the field has ideas for the office and the office has ideas for the field. So we generally ask those questions and then um, we implement what they say and we post it every week. So that's number two. And then number three is give them a reward. I mean, you know, what's in it for them to make sure that the billable hours go up? I mean, you've been paying them for 20 hours a week of non-productive time. Why should I make it any better? I don't have any incentive. So the reality of it is, you know, let's say you hit 60, you might give them, you know, a bonus of like 50 bucks. You know, if it hits 80, you might give them a bonus of $100 or $200, depending upon where, you, where you're going. But the reality is if they can keep the billable hours above 80% every single month, you're doing well. And then, and then the profitability piece comes to it also, because if you, you know, one of two things can happen. If you have a really profitable job or really profitable project, but you're only billing 50% of the time, you're still not going to be profitable generally. Um, or you can have lots of billable hours and, and be losing five cents for every dollar that you take in the door. So both pieces have to come together. Find out where you are. That's the first piece. <laughs> yeah. I love it. And I love how all, all your answers after figuring out what that bill over hour is, was about how do you get the team involved and work from there? Because I, I think a lot of times we can get in there like wanting to fix this and we have all the solutions and because, you know, we're, that's why we're in the industry because we like to fix things. We want to, we want to make things better so we can feel like we're the ones that need to dive in there. And then we roll out a whole program and it ends up just being a train wreck and a disaster because no one's bought in. I love when you talk about getting everybody in the room and talk about what that goal is. That that's, that's absolutely amazing. I said, I You've been doing it for a while. I take it some of that's probably come from trial and error out there in the field. Yeah, I, and and reality is is that you as an owner have no not that you have no idea, but the reality is is the people who are on the front lines, the people who are out there in the field, know what the office is doing that drives them insane. The people in the office know exactly what the field people are doing that drives them insane. So why don't we put those two together and let them solve it? You know, 10 heads are better than yours. You know, 
50 heads are better than your one head. I mean, you've got 50 people's ideas coming together rather than your measly one. Mm. I don't mean that from a negative perspective because that sounded negative. The reality is that you know, the more you can get everybody who's on the front lines doing the work and giving the suggestions, and it actually does do really well that way simply because they know what's going on, probably more so than you. I mean, I'm sure you've heard the term that the owner's the last to know. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is so the case here. How, what, how do you get owners to be open and receptive to that, to having that open meeting? Say if like you've never had that culture and you want to bring your team to your other and you as the owner, how, how do you open that door the best way? Well, first of all, if you've never done it, they're not going to believe you. All right. So I would post it and say, look, I really and truly want your suggestions. Um, tell people, put them in an envelope. And then you, you assign somebody to, to take the envelopes. Office people put them in an envelope, you know, by this Friday. And then you open all the suggestions and say, okay, I, you know, they don't have to put their names on it. Great idea. Let's implement this. Great idea. Let's implement this. And once you start implementing their ideas, the, is he for real goes away because they see that you've actually done what you said you were going to do. All right. Now they're still going to be skeptical. So you got to keep doing it. But as if it becomes, as it becomes your culture and your habits and your ways of doing things, they will get less and less skeptical. And then one day somebody's going to approach you in the hall and say, Hey boss, I got an idea. And they know that they'll be taken seriously. When that happens, you know, you've changed the culture. I love it. That's fantastic. Would you say so with uh, with hoping all of these companies get to that exit and just getting all of this situated in in a place where you could have an exit if you wanted to or you just you have these evaluations, you're a profitable company. What would you say is culture the biggest thing that has to be fixed uh, after billable hours or what what leads to those evaluations and what leads to somebody wanting to actually come in and acquire your company? Number one, you, everybody has to know what their job is and how they impact the bottom line and how they help the customer. There's got to be open lines of communication. Uh, everybody has to know what they're being, you know, what their performance is being rated like KPIs, key performance indicators, and communication that way. And obviously, nobody's going to buy you if you're unprofitable. So mm. the profitability has to be there. Maintenance plans have to be there in this day and age, too, because it helps build your customer base, um, builds the loyalty, builds the trust. I mean, we, we could go on for hours on that one, and I know we don't have time for that. Uh, <laughs> But the reality is, is that when somebody is looking to acquire your company or you want to pass it down to your kids or to your employees who are doing really, really well, you don't want to leave them with a company that's garbage. You want to leave them with a company that's doing really, really well, has great processes and procedures in place, a great corporate environment, and everybody knows what their job is and it's communicated mm -hmm. how well they're doing. And those are the companies that get bought for the highest multiples. It, it, it really and truly is. That's, that's just amazing. It's having everybody know. I love this idea of just building culture through billable hours because like you're open 
you know, up front, like we're, we're not just talking about, you know, how we can go help the customer. We're also talking about how we can help the company. And at the end of the day, help the people that are there because it's their livelihood. I mean, I'm a big component of as we try to shift the narrative in the mindset in the construction industry is we just have to be open and honest with everybody and not have such a closed door mentality. Like we should really be opening the doors up and having these conversations, understand that there's emotions that our customers have that we can't control and the same with our employees. And we just have to be open and address those and getting those numbers out there and being transparent with everybody. I, I love that because I really think that's when not just in a company, but as an industry, we can really start getting a lot of traction if we're willing to talk about that and be like, hey, we might not be 100% here, but we want to get better and we want your feedback. And I, I think as owners and operators out there, if we could do some of this to other with each other, not just with our employees. We could start getting to other and creating an atmosphere and an environment where we start to learn from each other and utilize each other's resources instead of keeping like, I'm sure you've had uh, contractors out there that were like, oh no, Ruth's mine. Like, I don't want no one else to utilize what she, because I don't want them to know the magic she's teaching me, but it should be the opposite. Like we should be getting whatever that magic thing is or whatever's really moving the ball for us out in front of everybody instead of just holding it in because then the industry moves forward. Yeah. And if you don't, if you're not open with your employees and your team members and things like that, they think you're made of money. All right. They don't think twice about leaving stuff on a job. They don't realize what that costs. They don't, you know, they look at you and if it's a service issue, you know, I'm making 20, 30, $40 an hour and he's charging two or $300 an hour. He's making a killing. If they do not understand costs and what the costs of running a business truly are, then they go, oh, well, I can go start a business and you know charge less when they really and truly probably can't. <laughs> um, so they don't know when you have to put money in the business. You don't have to tell them that type of thing. But the reality is that they understand cost and they understand how their job impacts the bottom line. They're less likely to say that you're you know made of money and he can afford any mistake that I've got. Or, you know, if I run away with two motors instead of one, no big deal. He can handle it. He's made of money. Those are the types of perceptions that get uh, provided by, it's not the right word, but that, that's what employees think if they don't, if owners don't share uh, what, they don't have to share the numbers to the bottom line. Um, but one of my favorite things to do is to bonus the employees on net profit. So, if you have a good year, terrific, they make more. If you have a bad year, they don't make as much. But it's not, it's a bonus structure that is not based on, well, I liked you today, so you're getting a bigger bonus, or you didn't do a good job, you're getting a smaller bonus. It's truly based on how long they've been there and their compensation. So somebody who's making less than, you know, a really high compensated technician, for example who's been there for 10 years, his bonus percentage is going to be higher than that highly compensated tech who's only been there a year or two. So mm. that those two things go into there. And, and I'm happy to share the bonus structure with anybody who wants it. So, um, you know, feel free. It's, it's something that really makes them understand not only the revenue side, but also the profit side. 
And it's kind of funny because sometimes the bonuses are really big. And sometimes the bonuses really suck. And excuse me for saying it that way. But there have been good years and bad years. There have been highly billable, you know, hour years, i.e. percentage of billable hours really good. And there have been years that they haven't been. And if a company has been doing this for a while, the people see the big bonuses and they see the small bonuses and they see the big bonuses and, you know, and that type of thing. And they truly understand that, you know, even if the company made a little bit of money, we're sharing a piece of that because you were impactful for it. And when we make more money, you get more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love that, that, that allows that door to open up, to have that communication and mm -hmm. be able to have a conversation on why was it a big bonus or why was it a little bonus? You can have, it opens that dialogue because, you know, when people have a big bonus, they want to know how they can continue getting that. And then when it's small, they want to know how to not make it small. So just by utilizing that structure, you create a dialogue with your employees that allows you to have open conversations about what's working and what's not and what caused this to happen, what caused it to be great, what caused it to suck. Like that, that in itself is amazing to me. I, I think having being able to have employees wanting to have that conversation is awesome. Well, we were really surprised about one thing that happened when we implemented this, you know, many years ago. After about two or three years of the bonuses, if there's somebody who is hired who is not productive, the employees all know it and they make that person's life miserable so that they leave. And this was a this was a benefit we never even thought would happen. The owner doesn't have to fire him, or the manager, or the service manager, or the installation manager, or the field manager, or the supervisor doesn't have to fire him. The employees take care of it because it's affecting their pocketbook. And you know, and things are not going well. You can say, "Hey guys, I want to give you a really big bonus this year, but this is where we are. I need ideas on how to do some things so that we can get the numbers up." And again, as we talked about. 50 heads are better than one. It's not you insular at that point. It's like, okay, we're sharing the issue. What can we do to make it better? And as long as you've implemented their suggestions before, they're going to give you more. Yeah, I love it. So being proactive at the same time, because as owners and as leadership teams, everything you have access to that number, those numbers, you know if it's going in the right trajectory or not. And I, I love the self-policing of that. I mean, I, I was in the Marine Corps for four years. I, I understand some of that, that self-policing. And, you know, you got people have to be the right fit. And sometimes people aren't the right fit. And, you know, as leadership, we tend to hang on to some people for too long because we feel the seat and we really thought that was the right person. Uh, but having other stuff there in the in the works to be able to help work through that is absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's fun. And it, everybody wins in that case. The customers win because they're better taken care of. The mm -hmm. employees win because they're better taken care of. And the owner and the company overall wins and gains stability and the ability to serve even more and more and more customers. That's the cool yeah. part. Yeah. And that's what has to happen. There has to be a win for everybody involved, because if the employee and the customer is not winning, that company, that owner is not going to be able to win. So uh, I love that. I absolutely love that. So, Ruth, it has been absolutely fantastic talking today. Uh, before we go, one last, do you have one last tip? 
to leave everybody with as we head into 2023 here? All right. Two. Can I have two? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. As right. many as you want. All right. Number one, look at your bank accounts every single day. Make sure that there's nothing crazy going on there because things happen. There's too many people trying to steal money from you. And not only your employees, the, the bad guys in Russia are trying to steal money too these days. Um, and, and number two is to get your financial statements every single month on time, accurately, so that you can make sure your billable hours are profitable. Awesome. I, I love it. I think even just from a personal perspective, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge Grant Cardone guy and listen, okay. listen to a lot of stuff he does. And he said, he says the same thing is check your accounts every day. Like yes, if you right. personally, like personal accounts, if you're not looking at your money every day, you don't know what's going on. And like you said, there's bad people out there trying to do bad things. So you want to make sure you know about that and you're keeping a log and you understand what's going on. So in business, that 100% makes sense to be able to have access to that every day and look at it. And of course, having your financials on time and delivered, I mean, that that's how you can choose the trajectory of the business to be able yeah. to forecast that and make things happen. Yep. Ruth, it's been absolutely amazing today. For all of our construction champions listening, if they wanted to contact you, where's the best way to reach out to you? Best way to do it is is with my email. And it's Ruth, it's R King, R-K-I-N-G at on the ribbon, O-N-T-H-E-R-I-B-B-O-N dot com. Or my my podcast is Contractor Sense, D-E-N-T-S. And if you want to reach out that way from that podcast, you can get some more things about all the financial side of business from there. Yeah, I completely forgot to bring that up, but Ruth does host an amazing podcast that's directed towards the construction industry and all about financials and how do you keep that stuff in order and keep your house clean so you can do the amazing things that she's talking about. So, hey, Ruth, it's been fantastic. I've loved having you as a guest. You have shared invaluable knowledge for all of our champions out there. Thanks, Ron, for having me. And I look forward to doing it again with you sometime. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, all you construction champions, it has been another fantastic episode. And Ruth's information will be in the notes, her email, the link to her uh, podcast that she does in her bio. Go check it out. Take a listen to it. There's really, really great advice. You might even run into somebody you know that has been on that podcast. Uh, but all you construction champions, go be the champion you can be. And until next time.